Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio uh, with my good friend and colleague, Jason Oakland. Oh, I feel and like I got a promotion. my good friend and colleague, Michael Berg. Mike said I, I need to be nicer. So, <laughs> um, And we are going to be coming at you today with a, a shorter, probably, episode. Not going to have a free-for-all. Um, Michael has to go teach. Jason just got done preaching chapel. This is Holy Wednesday of Holy Week. Um, Mike had Palm Sunday on Monday. I had Monday, Thursday on Tuesday. And Jason had Good Friday on Wednesday as our students will be going off in a break. And so the, the text related to those days, we weren't supplanting those days in the church here. Um, Jason, I'll say you did a, a fine job. And I don't mean that as shtick. I just want to compliment you because you did. Well, thank you. You did well. I appreciate that. Um, we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Encourage you to check out 1517.org for all sorts of good stuff. There are other podcasts. Basically, like any sort of format you, you prefer in a podcast, you can find there. Um, there are daily articles, blog devotions. Um, Mike, you, you're due for one here. Mike has a number that have been published there. What? For the blog post articles you know, oh i haven't put anything in yeah um but michael has a number Should. there over time uh and uh i have had a, a number lately and uh you can find free academy stuff uh um, mike yours was on vocation mm-hmm. that you did for them uh you can go to the publishing house mike has a book through them i have books through them uh but there's also a lot of other good books in fact maybe even some some better books for sure than mine uh not michael's but michael's is is Superb, I would say. Um, but encourage you to check that out. Um, we are going to be talking today about the Lord's Supper. It is Wednesday of Holy Week. We recorded and released already um, on Monday, Holy Monday, an episode on Holy Week as a whole. Uh, yesterday, Holy Tuesday, you got a session on the Oseandrian controversy, which is timely for Holy Week because if Holy Week is about anything, it is about proclaiming our justification that Christ was crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. And we should have this coming out early next week, this episode we're recording on Holy Wednesday. And I think partly because I had Monday, Thursday, and Tuesday, and I have Monday, Thursday, and Thursday, I'll be preaching at, uh, at Pilgrim at my, uh, at my church. And um, I w- I've just been thinking a lot about this um, regarding the Lord's Supper. And I was looking back at a lot of my older Monday, Thursday, Holy Thursday sermons and they are, uh, I don't know if this will surprise you guys or if it's your experience, they are downright more didactic than probably any of the other hmm. days of the church here that I preached. There's a consistent kind of catechetical, pedagogical um, aim to them. And I don't know if I like that or don't like that now that I look back. Um, it seems, uh, I, I feel like I, I've preached baptism pretty over good over the years without having to always be too didactic, but I think the temptation with the Lord's Supper has been to go, um, just let's break down the catechism, and uh, I don't know if that's kind of this Lutheran um, recognition that like the rest of Christianity is united in dismissing our teaching, (laughs) you know, that uh, you have most of of Protestantism that's going to be symbolic to some degree, Um, uh, I would say the great degree for most. Um, Roman Catholicism with transubstantiation. I'm not sure why that's happened, but what I would like to have us talk about today, and I'm springing this on the boys here. Can I call you the boys? Mm, Makes me feel young. Um, (laughs) Is we can get catechetical, um, but especially just why the supper, like of all the things Jesus could do, what is he doing when he institutes this supper and gives it to us? What's the role of the supper in the life of the church? What's the role of the supper in the life of the Christian? Um, how does it connect to the rest of Scripture? Um, why this? Now, I'm not saying we go into the mind of God and say, why did he choose this and not like a super wicked sweet light show, right? <laughs> um, but bread, wine, body, blood. What do we think? Why? What's going on here why should the Christian care about the supper? And maybe even um, part of this comes out of us talking about too. Um, and we mentioned in the last episode with Holy Week, right? Sometimes there's debates about communion on Easter and uh, 
And sometimes you have the concern some will express, well, there might be a lot of visitors. And if you practice closed communion, that might, you know, um, turn some away. Um, why, uh, why maybe is it good that, that even the visitors, that even the unbelievers hear us talk about the Lord's Supper? Um, what does it say about us, right? If, if someone comes and sees this, what does it say about Christ, if they witness how we talk about it and practice it. So that's where we'll be going. Um, and Michael, I see you have the disclaimer, if you would be so kind as to read that. This show doesn't speak for our churches or church bodies or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our main topic, which is the Lord's Supper. And I think how I would like to start is, um, if it's all right with you, with you gentlemen, if I may use that term quite liberally. <laughs> we're boys, now we're men. Yep. And uh, right. I, I'm, I'm in the minority today, and by the way, I noticed. gentlemen at that. Do you have a collar under that fleece, Michael? Oh, we've got a two-collar day. Well, you got black and white on. It says yeah. Detroit versus everybody. Versus Air One. <laughs> Everyone. Um, so... That's pretty close. Like, yeah, it's still clerical college. It's the closest to the to clergy as you're going to get. Well, thank you. I appreciate I that. I like it. Um, so I'm going to read them from Luke because that's where, um, if you're Lutheran, Episcopalian, Anglican, Roman Catholic, if you're in the three-year lectionary, if you're in your C, you're going to hear them um, from Luke unless, uh, I believe, the um, Episcopalians uh, may use the foot-washing text also. I think they get two options on that from when I checked. But <clears throat> Luke 22, we'll start at verse 19. And Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Um, maybe if we do as Luther did, right, famously at Marburg, um, Although Luther was capable of making very um, intricate philosophical arguments to poke holes in the arguments of his opponents or defend uh, the possibility of his teaching, um, <clears throat> for him the best argument was always the words of institution. Maybe if we begin with that, um, he takes bread and he takes wine. Anything that comes to mind for either of you uh, significance-wise, Jason, you just preached, and Mike, this seems like the kind of thing that you've thought about and talk about uh, in a class or two. So I'll maybe toss it to you first. Anything with uh, with bread and wine here? You're just speaking about the elements there, yeah. like why bread and wine kind of thing? Yeah, or just anything of that, that that's what he chooses to use. Obviously, it's for the Passover right. meal. but Well, I think— um, And feel free to root it in that if you'd like yeah, to. Yeah, I think— um, can I can I go all the way back to Genesis? Would that be okay? You have I'll absolute to, I'll try freedom. to move it along. <laughs> Not even Christian yeah. freedom. Yeah. Absolute. Absolute freedom. Wow. So— when we talk about worship and God coming to us and really worship and coming into the presence of God are, I mean, that's kind of what it's about, right? Worship's kind of a bad word. Uh, English does us a disservice there. I mean, we start with the first church of Eden, right? Which I believe is a Lutheran church. I believe it was the first Lutheran I, I church so. of I was of on the Eden. corner of Main Street in first, I believe. Yeah, and it was like, yes. and, they, and then there was... <laughs> After a while, some of the members were like, First Church is not a cool enough thing. So they're like, how about Garden Community Church, right? <laughs> yep. So anyway, there was, but that's, that's a different what story. What about the garden? The garden. The garden. Because like, church might then, scare some people away. Right. And then like, that was like a baby boomer. And community could be exclusive because right. where does the community's boundaries end? So the Bronze Agers were like First Lutheran Church of Eden. And the boomers were like, community garden church and then the millennials were like 
the garden. Yeah. Quick question, Mike. Um, before we started, one of us was like, we need to stay on topic today. Do this correctly so that I can, because I have to go. Which one of us was that? I just said I had to leave. I didn't say we had to stay on topic. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Right. I do like this. I would, yeah. you know you're tempting me to, this to be a whole new shtick, but go ahead. Anyway. Um, so at the First Church of Eden, um, worship is going to be, as our Lutheran confessions define it, trust. So uh, two things happen. They, they approach these trees and they get good things from God. This is worship. You, God comes and he gives you good things. And then um, the, the second point is trust. Uh, God says, see that other tree? Not your business. And we trust that God says that's for our good. So when, by the way, when Satan comes, he attacks their worship in a very profound way. But also notice the components of word and meal. So from the very beginning, word and meal is essential to humanity. And it's essential to uh, the Jewish religion, to the Christian religion, and really almost all religions, right? It's kind of built into us that there's going to be a sacred meal. And that's one, two things that we in America are blind to. One is the spirituality or sacredness of a meal. Um, so we, we think about ourselves as machines or animals primarily, and therefore food is fuel, right? And so we can argue about, you know, cheap fuel or bad, you know, uh, those are the arguments we have. What do you put in your body? But for the rest of the history of the world, and I would say a lot of even, even a little bit of our early American history, think of the, the, the Sunday meal at grandma's house. Uh, this is a sacred thing. So this is what to understand that is to understand the whole old Testament and new Testament where, why do they care about what they eat? Why do they care about whom, with whom they eat? Why is it a big deal that Jesus eats with, um, uh, Matthew? Why is it a big deal? Well, this thing called table fellowship, which is a positive term. We always think about it as a negative term, a positive term, right? There were, there were, there were boundaries there. And we understand that in every aspect of our lives, you know, um, if, if, uh, if Vladimir Putin would be invited to the white house for a state dinner, that would be problematic in our current climate. Right. E and even if they're just eating together. Yes. And right? yes. And there's, you know, even the idea of if somebody invited you to, to a meal and you chose not right. to eat or to drink, right. that was, that, that would have been a, a sign of contempt, yeah. right? So, I mean, you, yeah, you have yeah. have that side of it, too. You invite certain people and you don't invite certain people to your wedding, to all these things, right? This is just built into to humanity. This is how God created us. And so it makes sense, then, that when God would come to us, when we, he would have communion with us, well, word and meal would be central in this. And so we see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I think we can see this in our everyday lives. Why wine and bread? Well, I kind of think those are... Those are accessible, especially in the Mediterranean world, right? Water, mm -hmm. bread, wine. You could add oil there. We've talked about this before. Uh, James, you know, says anoint the sick with oil. Think olive oil. It's a symbol of the spirit anointing. I mean, those are the basics of the of the Israelite faith uh, outside of sacrament, uh, outside of the sacrifices. And it's natural that they would become the basis for the Christian faith as well. And it's not gold, silver, platinum. It's things that are accessible to everybody. So it's an incarnational thing, right? That God says, I'm going to come to you. Um, and I think there's just so many stories in the Old Testament without getting allegorical that you go, that, that, that is similar to Holy Communion. Like um, Isaiah uh, and his angels and the, the burning coal coming mm. and touching his, his lip. Um, there's just so many things like that. And, and I like to impress that it's built into us. And we late modern or early postmodern, whatever you want to call it, Western enlightenment type beings, we miss the fact of coming into the presence of God. This is holy ground. And we miss the importance of, of eating for the vast majority of, of humanity, but then also the spiritual aspect of it. So, yeah, I was going to say, I think you could say even, you know, a little bit <clears throat> with the, with those elements, I think too, you know, certainly there's the, um, Passover connection and the, and the symbolic elements mm. that come together there, which is, I mean, that's a whole conversation unto itself, but, but even that, you know, like bread as a, 
you know, the, the staple of life, yep. right? It's not just common. It's, it's the, it's staple right. of life where, you know, wine too is, um, there, there's practicality there, right? right. Cause it's not, it's not safe to drink water right. necessarily. And, and all these other things are, are harder to come by. Wine for us is a luxury for yeah. them. It was a necessity. It was a necessity. And at the same time, well, it was the drink of uh, celebration, was, right? As a proud Michigander. You can't drink all our water either, necessarily. <laughs> that is true. Props to Flint. Yep. There you go. But that also then, you know, is not not just the drink, a uh, practical drink. It's also the drink of celebration, right? Yep. It's it's one that uh, there's a special reason to drink this drink. It's a. I would say it's a uh, with the celebration, right? It's a it's a social drink. I think and yeah. you guys have hit on that, right? That this is. Um, as this is the the family meal, although it's a pilgrim's meal, right? Um, that this isn't the kind of meal you just have by yourself. I mm-hmm. guess maybe you have bread by yourself, but mm-hmm. you know, wine is usually a you're with people type thing. Although in the ancient world, I suppose you'd have a little wine by yourself. But um, maybe if we can connect, then um, I was looking uh, at some other stuff a little bit ahead, so. Correct me if I missed a bunch of this, but can we connect a little bit with the Passover more? Um, sure. The um, Because we will have, um, and so <clears throat> I think I've mentioned, been a bit on a, on a, bit of a Catholic kick lately. Um, <laughs> been doing some Aquinas, and then I've been into this Franciscan Friars YouTube channel. I confessed that yesterday to Michael. <laughs> um, and uh, went to two basilicas for Palm Sunday. And, um, right, one of the striking differences, so I took Anna to St. Josephat's. It was, that was the first mass she's ever been to. Mm. And, um, you know, you get to a part, and I'm like, well, we don't kneel for this. And she's like, okay, you know, cool, whatever. Um, but then talking after, well, why don't we kneel, right? Like, I stand and sit at mass. I'm not going to be a distraction. Right. But that, you know, to explain, like, well, this is, like, most of what you saw and heard before this was pretty similar to what you hear in the Lutheran service. In fact, right, the Roman Mass is not very Marian or anything like no. that. It's it's no. pretty darn Christocentric. Um, but then you get to this part, and we get really sacrificial in our language. We mm-hmm. get to what's called the canon of the Mass. Um, the Norvis Odo has changed so much stuff, but they, they say something right. Like they used to when I was growing up, Lord, accept the sacrifice of my hands from our good and all and the good of all this church. Um, you know, kind of explaining to her that that's where an issue can come in. But Jesus is commemorating a sacrifice when he institutes this meal, right? there, We can see how some of that imagery would maybe come. In fact, um, for Holy Thursday, sometimes the Old Testament lesson is um, death passing over, mm-hmm. right, through this sacrifice. Um, so maybe if we want to unpack just a little bit more, what would have been in the minds of the people who were gathered there that this is happening on this day? Why does Jesus maybe use this day? Anything theological we take away. And then I would connect with that too. Um, what should we leave on that day? For instance, you sometimes get Christians who get really enamored yeah. with like re, trying to like recreate, recreate these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what should just stay there as well? I'll throw it to whoever of you has something to say first. Well, I think that... <clears throat> and I'm not being redundant, I yeah, hope. For I what think I, that the Passover is fulfilled in Holy Communion. I know that that's... <laughs> Probably not everybody would accept that that direct. I accept everything you say, Michael. <laughs> I would also go so far as to say the washing rituals are directly a picture of baptism, and so in Hebrews ten, which comes up here in Holy Week, sure kind of talks like that to yeah. the sprinkling of your bodies right, with water. Right. Yeah. So we can have that debate later, but I. I I believe that Jason this, looks fired up about this. This is at least a type of, if I want to even expand another word, maybe make this worse, but a type of holy <laughs> communion, right? I mean, it's if you don't want to direct, it's a picture of it. Mike mm. is doing an allegory. So, sounds that way. <laughs> yes, we should do an episode on allegory that and just end a, this nonsense. We would, I'm we so would get, sick. We of, would get in trouble. I am so sick mm. of like you know you hear these guys from let's just say a certain generation and they're like anything that they haven't come up with is allegory and you're like luther (laughs) never mind never mind just never mind don't read 
don't read Flacius. Oh <laughs> or anything from after the Enlightenment where everything's black and white. Like, they're <laughs> being modern and they don't know it. With that said... Well, have it, you been to one of our confirmation rites, Michael? It doesn't get more rationalistic than our examination. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we are modern Western people, first, Lutheran second. Um, Let's just admit it. I was going to say uh, baseball fans is in there somewhere. Were you talking about us or in general? In general. Oh, oh for myself, I was going to say baseball fan, <laughs> yeah, then Lutheran. <laughs> the Passover... I believe is fulfilled certainly in the good Friday, but the Passover meal, I believe there's too many parallels to ignore that it is fulfilled in Holy communion. Like I really, here's my, I don't think the father, the son and the Holy spirit after the canon was done, read through the final edit and they're like, boy, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So this Passover meal looks back to the most important event of the Israelite history, the Exodus. We talked about this before. It's all their holidays wrapped up into one. It looks forward symbolically see if to... This works. Can you hear that? Yeah. I'll try that again. Um, Is someone calling me? No. Oh, stupid YouTube. I hate you. That's the allegory bell. I'm going to okay. do that now gotcha. whenever Mike <laughs> allegorizes. Okay. <laughs> you better put that like... You better get that. I'm going to keep it right go. here. Okay. And by, <laughs> oh. by the way, we don't have to mention it. It'll just be in the background. Right. I'll now, just keep going. From now on, yeah. it's just. Okay. That's yep. okay. So the Passover meal looks back to the most important event of their, uh, their history, the Exodus, but then looks forward to uh, the true Passover lamb, which is Jesus Christ. The wrath of God passes over us because we got blood on us. <laughs> now think about a timeline now that jesus comes and he takes that meal and he during the during the passover liturgy i believe that they were doing the passover liturgy he says he adds which you're not supposed to do wade add don't add the liturgy unless you're add unless stuff. you are jason jesus yeah god I was and he says god. this is my body that. see everybody thinks they're jesus they start adding things to the liturgy yeah you know? mm -hmm. all right this is my body. This is my blood. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. So much like all of the Old Testament fulfillments, it's now the real deal. It's not a picture of sin. It is the actual delivery or a picture of salvation. It's actually d the delivering of the salvation, right? So the sacrifices to the cross, but I would say the Passover, which looks forward to forgiveness in the Messiah, now delivers it. The ceremonial washings were uh, looking forward to it. Baptism now delivers it. All right. So this meal also, so I'm on the other side of Jesus in the timeline. This meal also looks back and looks forward. It looks back to the, do this in remembrance of me, to the most important event, Good Friday. And then it looks forward to the wedding supper of the lamb. This is heavenly food that you eat that comes down here. Okay. Now. So I think there's something to, to gather from that, and that is uh, the meal, the community, the looking forward, a connection to the past, but also looking forward to the future, right? That I get my heavenly feast, right? So um, that's why we say whenever you eat this body and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, this is why we often pray about you know, the wedding supper of the lamb, right? And by the way, in each of those instances, the lamb is, is central, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is going to be central in all of this. So I just, I think that context is helpful to understand what a beautiful gift this is to us. Yeah, and I think um, so much, I think one of the things we miss out on when we read the New Testament, sometimes we miss out on, if we're reading it, with certain limitations, certain glasses on, um, is so much of what Jesus does is patterned off of the Old Testament. I mean, the feedings um, <clears throat> that are um, patterned off of Elijah and, and others in the Old Testament, <clears throat> um, just as Moses gave manna in the desert, right? So Christ provides this bread, um, but then he preaches, and the, a lot don't like that, but he right, says that he is the living bread from heaven, um, <clears throat> 
the raising of uh, um, the widow's son, the widow of Nain. Um, and right, you look at Elijah with similar miracles. There's just so much that's patterned off the Old Testament <clears throat> that th it makes a lot of sense to have this with the Passover. And as um, you hit on with the richness of the Passover feast, they actually ate the lamb mm -hmm. at the Passover. Mm -hmm. They didn't just kill it and put the blood on the mm -hmm. doorpost, <clears throat> but they actually partook of the sacrifice. Um, sometimes when people get kind of turned off by the sacrificial stuff in the Old Testament, and don't get me wrong, <clears throat> I would have been a terrible Old Testament priest. Like, <laughs> I've gone deer hunting a couple times, like with my father-in-law, <laughs> mostly before I married his daughter, like to kind of seem like a man. Yeah, yeah. and um, that's the only reason I've ever eaten brats, too. I would never eat brats, but then the first time I went home to what? meet you her family, like they brats? had brats. What's they don't look dead to me. <laughs> I do not like the texture or the appearance. Oh. I grew up with kibasa, which is even more traumatic. Right. That's... I was going to say, man, then. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, but anyways, I like sat in the deer stand, and then I've never shot at a deer even if I've seen one. I just take a book <laughs> because I know I could never cut it open. Right. Like, it's... I just I couldn't. And so, like, to be a priest and slit their throat and <clears throat> sprinkle the blood, wouldn't be able to do it. But to be fair, they ate those sacrifices. <clears throat> they partook of them. This was not just slaughter this was kind of like a butcher shop that was yep. also a church mm -hmm. and um that said something to the people of this partaking of the sacrifice and so they ate the lamb and so it totally makes sense that jesus would be saying this sacrifice that now not that you're offering yeah that now i'm giving you right. you're going to partake of me and we will t i'm going to bring in in a little bit how we partake of him so the point is, we partake Mike of it. Mike, like my point, he's doing the. the oh yeah. We, part, we partake of it by. By the way, you should take a picture. This is if I was like a politician. Sorry, I had the bell this would be my. This would be my. Like, what did Bill Clinton have? He had the, the he thumb, like this. the kind of the thumb. You know, but, and Bob Dole, of course, you know, had his. Yeah. This, this was. This is how I would talk, right? As Got a politician. <laughs> Notice what you said that they partake by eating. They get the good gift. They don't partake by. We did the sacrifice, which would be contrary to the sacrifice right. of the mass of the medieval church. Right. Um, can I just say one more thing about the sacrifice I'm, of the mass? Of the I'm Rita? loving everything you're saying. <laughs> Although I lost the bell when I took your picture. It closed okay. that app. So uh, our good friend, John Pless, uh, wrote many, many years ago in Logia about the idea of, I think it was in Logia, the idea of the sacrifice of the mass was not completely left out of the Lutheran thinking. It was just relocated to vocation in a Romans 12 way. Mm, that makes sense. Right? I had the bell. I found the bell because I thought you were going somewhere different. So mm -hmm. this is my, my, litur my, my, my religious worship, my liturgical, right? Lighter is, is out in the world. So, um, when we think about we're doing something in a sacrificial way, it is very vocational. God says, you don't serve me. I don't need you, but your neighbor does. I'm going to use you, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to either a pre-Vatican to um, a non-bloody sacrifice, me and Jesus, or sa I'm being sacrificed with Jesus in a non-bloody way, um, or a post-Vatican to, which we talked about in the last uh, either session or episode, the work of the people. Right. Mm. This is this is the work of the people that that I, I am I am Christ's co-worker in pleasing God rather than I am Christ's co-worker as he uses me in love of neighbor. So it's it's an ethical reorientation is what's going on. And so that's why um, even in the in a non-Catholic, a more uh, evangelical mindset of worship, you still end up in the same place that worship is a one way street from me to God. And um, <coughs> so it's just a. It's just a cheesier way of doing a sacrifice of the mass, quite frankly. Right? I pay him his due. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I will say there are a number of Roman Catholic churches that if you're going to do a sacrifice of the mass, it's kind of like trying to do a praise band. you got to compete with the Pentecostals, yeah. which you're just not going to win. Right. Um, if you want to do a cheesy uh, imitation sacrifice of the mass, you're, you're not, not going to outdo yeah. Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're good at that. They are very good at it. All right. How do we receive this? Let's just get this out of the way. I think that's probably one of the most common questions that people ask. 
Jesus is in heaven. How can his body and blood be on so many altars at one time? If we're receiving his body and blood, isn't this cannibalism? Um, what is, how is it becoming body and blood? Is the pastor doing it? Um, let's, let's hit on just, and let's not dwell on this forever because I want to move on from it, but how do we receive this stuff? Uh, let's go Jason first. All right. <clears throat> well, we receive bread and wine by eating and drinking, right? And that's pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, and, uh, did Jason you just articulate think, the usuist yeah. position? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that. He tried not to define a moment of presence. Oh, I, well, I, let's I, stay away from that. He was, was not going, going there. Yeah, yeah. I would, that was, no, I was not going to do that at all. But the, uh, um, the, but that's not, you know, saying that's not necessarily the, in eating and drinking, the way that, you know, Jesus says you receive his body and blood necessarily in, in that sense. The other thing he doesn't, you know, doesn't, scripture doesn't really determine the how either, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a question that scripture does not answer for us. So, um, if we start trying to answer that question, um, by any other means, um, we're going to probably end up getting tripped up a bit, right? And, Which is and, interesting because Lutherans are usually pretty good about not playing that game. Yep. But in the Synodical Conference, the former yep. churches of the former Synodical Conference, there's been a fair amount of debate where people yes. will fall into, is it consecration, is it reception? Yep. <clears throat> and that's what I joked about before. Yep. Is it when the words are spoken, is it when it touches your lips? Mm -hmm. The formula of conquer, the closest we come to a definition is, is in the use, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> in the use of the yep. supper. Um, but then and I think that, that is the safest is, path. What what is that all you know what right. what is all included in that because that's that was the debate that followed there then too right. right you know so so yeah but then um also the idea that you know the body and blood of Jesus come in a is are received in a supernatural way right which I think is the best way to the best way to describe that um because again we're not told all of the all of the specifics or all the answers but. You know, that's the way that that's usually talked about. And here, um, again, is Luther is going to refuse to play philosophy to describe his own teaching or to, um, to preach and teach it, but he will in defense. And largely, especially, he does this in concer uh, the, the, um, Concerning Christ's Supper, where he's writing against Wingley and what he calls the sacramentarians who, ironically oppose the sacramental nature of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. um, and there he'll talk about different modes of presence. We're not going to get into that, although our friend Aaron Moldenhauer gave mm -hmm. a very nice paper on that yep. at the Marquette Ecumenical um, Working Group <clears throat> that we were all at. But I will say, some, what are we receiving in the supper? The closest Luther really gets to <clears throat> describing it would be if you remember what happens at Jesus' resurrection— the disciples are locked in a room um, for fear of the Jews. They kill Jesus. Maybe they're going to kill them now. No, the apostles are Jews too. This isn't like a racial fear. This, the Jewish leaders. Um, and Jesus walks through the door with his body, which in the different texts, he's even going to say, give me something to eat, right? As um, once he's resurrected <clears throat> to prove he has a real body. And yet he walks through the door. Um, and so Jesus is able to be present in a way that he takes up space. He is there. He's truly there. But he can also walk through a door. Mm -hmm. Jesus' body is now God's resurrected, glorified body. Um, how can it be present in, on so many altars on one day? Well, God is omnipresent, yep. and Jesus is, is God. The, um, the answer is in Christology, not right. necessarily in the sacrament, like the, the teaching of the sacrament itself, exactly. the answer is in Christology. And Luther's always going to go there. How can we partake of him and not have it be cannibalism where um, Mike gets his elbow yeah. and Jason gets his knee and I get his shoulder? Um, is that we're partaking in a similar way, Luther argues, to how Jesus walked through the door, um, the locked door. Right? Um, this is a real presence. Um, but you're, we're not going to clone Jesus from the chalice, yeah. right? We're not going to get his DNA. Um, this is a mystery in the sense of how the Greek actually means mystery, not Scooby-Doo mystery where, you know, they're kind of <laughs> riding around hotboxing in this van and then they get out and someone Father, says, we would have got away with it too what? if it weren't for you kids. 
this is not something for us to solve. <clears throat> this is something we can't, we can't understand without God revealing it, and this is just the degree to which He's revealed it. So yeah, and that's and yeah. that's an important thing too to be you know to recognize God has only revealed this to an extent, and to be content with that. Yeah. And God's not given us the supper for us to an- analyze it. He's given us for us to receive it and 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 to marvel, to be comforted. It's like we're standing before the two trees, and He says, "Not your business. Trust me." Right. Mm-hmm. Right. In a worship mm-hmm. sense. Can I add one thing, maybe? And Absolutely. Then, especially when you do this. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, it depends who you're talking about if there's an objection to this, right? If it's if it's a philosophical argument, then you're going to say, okay, transubstantiation, that's really Aristotelian. We've got to be careful here. If it's somebody coming from like a naturalist point of view, I just can't believe in the miracles. I think what you have to maybe one tactic is to say, first of all, if there is a God, if you're open to the possibility mm-hmm. that there's a God, that opens a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Not only that, but we don't know everything about physics yet, mm-hmm. right? There may be a time Even where... Even Kerry Keene, yeah. our good friend in the physics department, yeah. Yeah. who know knows everything. a lot yeah. about physics. But not everything. Does not know everything. And um, so let's just... just just hold off for it. I'm not saying hold off until science figures it out. Just maybe, maybe God does explain it in heaven and you go, you like know, till Friday, wait till at least Friday. Yeah. You're know, like <laughs> a palm on the forehead. You're like, Oh yeah. Duh. Right. Which just just chill out. Right now, if it's somebody from maybe a more, uh, once it is a Bible believing Christian and believes in a symbolic type presence, I think one of the tactics is to say, okay, how do you deal with the words? Right. This is not, there's no reason for Jesus to be speaking, um, uh, to be speaking in tropes, right? I mean, what, what would be the symbolic purpose of, be after, yeah. you know, that he's, it's more legal language there as he's leaving his final testimony. So you go to the word of God, which is what Luther does with Swingley, right? This is my body. But also, I mean, if you're in the, have the right relationship with that person, be like, listen, you know, I just want to be honest with you. Like. The whole evangelical world, like you believe in a whole lot of miracles and the spirit coming upon people Weird and stuff, stuff. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it's like, hey, the rest of us are like kind of rolling our eyes, just so you know. Um, it's a little disingenuous, maybe, <laughs> for you to uh, make fun of the miracle that clearly, we would argue, is stated in scripture, but be okay with this these miracles that are outside of the realm of knowing that this is revealed so it's true i'm pretty sure i need a greater leap of faith for you but of course the home run of course is christology yeah once you start saying jesus can't that's a bad sentence to start with which which is just you know kind of boggles your mind in the sense to say that that it is humanity christ's humanity limiting his divinity rather than who he is as you know, uh, As God, God um, somehow, you know, some, um, how empowering yeah. his humanity. And just, just to, you know, <clears throat> to clarify, maybe somebody ha- has this question in their mind. There are certain times when you could see, oh, his humanity uh, limit his divinity, but we don't speak it that way. We speak in terms of his humiliation that yeah. he chose not to right. use his divine powers. This is not that case because he's clearly saying, I am making use of this. Matters. Right. And I think that's an important, an important thing to take note. Cause how often do you hear people? Well, that's because he's, he, it's, it's his human nature. It's because he's true man. No, no. It's because he's choosing not yeah. to, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. that's humiliation versus exaltation, not humanity versus divinity. Right. And, and we, I, I'm, I'm maybe stepping it in here a little bit, but I don't want to go take this too far. It's not (laughs) allegorical. It's like actually just way off. We'll see. It's like just way (laughs) out of the way. But we live in a fallen condition. I don't know that we really know the full potential of humanity, Mm -hmm. right? And and for Christ to say, for for Paul to say, you're going to have a body like Christ's glorious body. Mm -hmm. We're not really allowed to speculate too much about that, but... I'm not saying I'm going to go through doors. Yep. But at the same time. But if you will in heaven, how many times do you think you would do it before it would lose? It's like awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think I would do it like thousands of times. Yeah. And then, yeah. but then who's I on the other so. door and like, but why are there here? doors? If we can all do that, yeah, why true. are there doors in heaven? There are no fences and doors in heaven. <laughs> Those are boundaries. Yeah. 
Just something to think about. Like right. Jason we told talk me there about, are because someone has to keep the Swedes out. <laughs> but you know the point, right? What, right? what is what is what is the fullness of humanity? I'm not yep. sure that we really can put our finger on. Yeah. Okay. I promise we weren't going to go too long today. So here's what I'm going to do next. We take we received the, how long till you got to leave, Michael? I got about ten minutes. Okay, good. We received the Lord's Supper. We give forgiveness, life, salvation. Catechism says good things. I like all those things. Um, what though, what is the, what is, the, we can use all these pictures that church fathers have used for the Lord's Supper. Medicine. And here I'm, right, and I'm, I'm, healing. I'm tempting you, Michael. <laughs> Medicine of immortality, healing. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't teach this as doses of grace. I think of all the sacramental practices we have in the Lutheran church, this is the one where someone could start to think that, and yet it's something that we hopefully want again and again, which is why it should be offered right more often. But um, I said that quietly because I feel like we're kind of coming so down nobody, on So nobody hears about that? <laughs> I feel like we're kind of coming down on the churches of the former Synodical Conference pretty right. hard today. Um, but uh, what is the role of the Lord's Supper in one's daily life in their Christian life and i don't mean by that just sanctification so right feel free to go wherever but you know if you're talking to the average person it's you know why should they they've got baptism they got mm-hmm, the sermon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they got a general absolution why the lord's supper why should this thing be summer something that they hunger and thirst for not just something that makes the service longer why should this be something um that is a um vital part of their piety if we can use piety in a good way mm-hmm. yeah yeah and we do get that question here on campus, like, well, if I'm baptized, why don't, or I don't need baptism because I, whatever. And, of course, Luther was a little sarcastic. He mm-hmm. said, put your hand inside your coat. Is it warm? Yeah. That yeah. means you're alive and sinful. Yeah. Right? I believe he I mean, also says, feel your cheeks. Is there flesh yeah. on them? So, and, and, then, I think, and then, just to be sure, look up, look around, and are you still living in the world? Because yeah. um, yeah. I'm pretty sure then you need it. <laughs> and, and, and there's some good, sometimes you have to say that way, be like, listen, God has chosen these ways to you. Why? And then, and then you can flip it upside down. You know, use that like the hundred dollar bill thing. Here's four hundred dollar bills. You're gonna take one. I mean, that that analogy can be right. It's the same grace no matter where it comes. But we talked about this when we did our means of grace episode. That there are time, there are seasons in your life. There are times in your in your walk with Jesus, your daily walk with Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are different personalities between us where there are times Holy Communion really hits you hard. Uh, another day, it's it's that baptismal promise that really means yep. something. Or I need to hear in a forensic way that I'm forgiven. Or it's a story in the Bible or whatever. I think it's genius that God has limited himself to four ways where he's going to, he has attached his promise of forgiveness, word, baptism, absolution, Holy Communion. So it's not a free for all. Like, you know where to go. It's simple. At the same time, there is some variety there because I think there are different seasons in our life. There are people who are kinesthetic learners versus audio learners, all those kinds of things. And I think to, to your point about piety is to, I think there's a um, a challenging of oneself. That's a bad word to say it, but to challenge myself to say, maybe there's some hidden gems in the way Luther talked about <coughs> baptism. There's some hidden gems there that I'm missing when I may hear Ambrose talk about Holy Communion as medicine. Um, there's some, there's some, maybe some things in the Bible that I miss because I'm only thinking about it in a rational point of view. Okay, I have the information, Jesus died on the cross, I'm good. Or from another mystical point from the other side, uh, maybe I'm missing some of the objectivity when it's all about this kind of like a mystical sort of, yep. I, you get what I'm after yep. there. Yep. So I, I think that's, that's the pastoral answer that I'm going to give. I, I would say too, I think that especially when you speak of, so yeah, you have all of these, but especially when you speak of the Lord's Supper, you know, there are uh, different elements of that, right? There, there's kind of the, 
the subjective and the mystical. There's also there's a bit of you know the the intellectual and yeah, and yeah. thinking thinking this through and um or, or the remembrance of you know what was this about or what does this connect to and then but you know and I think all of those things come into play with this one thing and I would say maybe in some ways too um, that there's a bit of a you know a, a confrontation with self that needs to take place right because I mean one of the things that that you know Paul says in instructing about the suppers you need to examine yourself and and you need to you need to kind of take a look at you need to take a look at where you're at or what what you're what you're doing what you're thinking um and of course that forces you to confront some of those things and say yeah do I really understand what this is do I really understand why I need this do I really and and I think that you know plays into that again, piety in a positive sense of this is part of my, you know, daily contrition and repentance, right? Seeking not, not only, you know, confronting self and, and admitting my sin, but also having the very, you know, best remedy, the very best solution available for that. Um, and, and again, you know, where Jesus comes personally and uniquely to me, right? Where, um, and there can be no question about that this does apply personally and uniquely to me. Um, and there's no doubt about what that is connected to. I mean, it's Jesus suffering and death, right? His, his, um, payment in my place. And this, um, and that while it's individual, uh, we, I think a lot of people do get like the challenge of a modern family. It can Mm -hmm. be really hard to eat together, to have meals together. Um, and yet, this is a, a family meal. It's a meal with God. We partake in God, but it's also a Trinitarian in its, in its orientation. The Spirit is working through the Son who was given to us by the Father. Um, it's a family meal with those who are of our fellowship, who share a confession of faith, but also with the whole communion of saints. Mm-hmm. This is the meal that's been given to the church of all time. And those on the other side of the altar, so to speak, celebrate with us, which ought to be a powerful thing for anyone who's ever lost someone mm-hmm. yep. who's uh, who's now um, fallen asleep in Christ, that this is the closest you will ever be to them outside of heaven. <clears throat> and then I'm just going to throw out, and then I'm going to let you guys wrap up. You guys have done a great job with this, so I appreciate it. Um, Paul, 1 Corinthians, gives us the words of institution. So Matthew, Mark, Luke do. Then John's like, okay, those guys covered it. He's writing last. I'll do the foot washing. And then... um. First Corinthians, Paul rehashes this because the Corinthians were having some troubles with the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, and uh, after he gets the words of institution, First Corinthians eleven twenty six, he says, For as often as you eat this uh, bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, and I would connect this with the do this in remembrance of me as well. The Lord's Supper is also um, charismatic. Mm-hmm. It's a proclamation. It's a sermon. And I often told my people, Part of the reason we need the supper is, you know, some weeks Pastor Johnson drops the ball. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this guarantees a phenomenal sermon every week. Um, but I'll throw it out to both of you, and I know, Mike, you have to go, so I'll throw it to you first. Um, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do this in remembrance of me. How is the Lord's Supper also then, how does this play in beyond just that we're partaking this proclamation? Yeah, it's it's a public community thing, first of all, right? I mean, it says something. And and for all those who are like, oh, the, visit- the visitors will run out the doors. God says this is a proclamation, right? So, um, and let the Spirit do his thing, right? Believe me, there are many other things that we do in the church that are going to are going to <laughs> embarrass ourselves that we need to fix before we start choosing which means of grace that we're going to decide to put in the closet. You know what I'm super glad we haven't started doing, but I bet we will at some point, um, having gone to Mass, is the whole passing of the peas. Yeah. That is so uncomfortable for yep. me. Yeah. And you always have like the extroverts that walk like halfway around the church shaking hands, and I, I just keep my eyes down yeah. and hope no one approaches yeah. me. So uh, that, that it is, I like, you know, it's charismatic. It's preaching, Right. And uh, the, the, the physical matters, right. right? The action matters. Like shaking the, hands. The movement matters, all of those things. Um, 
and I would say maybe I'll I'll say one thing and then I'll get out and then you guys can wrap up. And I'll miss you just so you know. Thank you. Um, for the preachers out there, I've had quite a, I've had a number of students come up to me and say, uh, you know, I just it really bothers me that I ha and this is unprovoked. It really bothers me that I haven't had Holy Communion since whatever, because they don't have a car on campus. It's not. You know, they haven't been home in a while or whatever. When you're thinking about Holy Communion and you're offering it to people, um, we again, now this goes full circle to your original point, like you, when you were going back in your sermons, you're like, oh, it was very catechetical and stuff. You're tying things together perfectly. This is a pastoral concern, that you teach it so that, as, as it says in the small catechism, the preface of small catechism, you preach it so the people bound on your, uh, you know, pound on your door and demand to have it. So you're preaching it as 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 it is, right? This is for you. It's just like you don't preach about the gospel; you preach the gospel. So you don't teach about Holy Communion; you teach people to Holy Communion. You got to think about the college kid and the truck driver and the person who the nurse hasn't the mm. nurse who has the person who has hasn't been there for 18 months and finally showed up finally for church. You know, I mean, that far outweighs all of the sticky problems that we have when it comes to, are we too Catholic? Um, are we making it a law? Uh, what about the visitor? All of those kinds of things, which are easily dismissed. You just got to do the work pastorally. I believe that we'll get to a point where Holy Communion in a, in, in a, as we move ourselves culturally out of the modern, very scientific black and white world, that um, that people are going to to waken up and already have to the idea of maybe there was something why God came in meal. Now the church moves slowly and should move slowly. Um, but I have this feeling that a hundred years from now, the church historians, if we're still around, will look back and go, "That was the that was the end of Pietism, or at least." That was the end or of rationalism. or rationalism that, or that there was a shift there. Pietism is always going to be with us, but there was a shift there. I, at least I'm hopeful of that where it'll kind of be like, Hey, did you know in the 1800s that they had two challenges, one for the women and one for the men? How weird. Mm -hmm. Right. But for that time and age, whatever. I bet the women's one was prettier. <laughs> like <laughs> the bathrooms. All right. So, uh, that's, I, that's my bully pulpit now you have to teach okay. i'm off to teach i wish you all god's blessings upon Thank your you. yes. instruction all right jason we are now bidding michael adieu we're going to keep this yes. under an hour all right we're sounds good 52 15 so you have anything you want to say before i'll wrap it up I w i'll say um i think the other thing talking from the proclamation point of things and why this is such a neat thing um is that, I mean, it, it makes no doubt about the fact this is about Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. That we are preaching, we preach Christ crucified and there's no getting around that. And here he is. Yeah, in the sacrament, right? Because cause here you have G the crucified and risen Christ, you know, um, coming to you in in body and blood, right? Really, really there in being present with his people. Um, and, you know, we're remembering in receiving this, the fact that he was crucified, the fact that he did pay the price for our sin, that we're that we're sinners um, who need a savior, and here our savior is coming to us um, and giving us um, exactly what we need, and that's where I would say the 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 proclamation part really comes across, right? There's no denying the fact this we preach Christ crucified, and this is about one of the clearest examples of that. And even if, even if, um, like you say, the preacher maybe drops the ball a little bit that day. And yeah, I would say it's not only pastor Johnson that does that from time to time, but, uh, you did I've, not do that today though, Jason. You oh, well, Jason. thank you. I'm glad. And, but I have had those sermons where I felt too, I was like, Oh man, I sh maybe should apologize. This didn't turn out quite as well. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm sure every preacher feels that way. Um, but here, here in the, in the sacrament, you have, a preaching of Christ crucified that says this is all about Jesus and Jesus is really here with us for us. Yeah. Um, and that's a pretty neat thing. Yeah. Can, can I have one other, one other anecdote kind of talking catechetical things I had, this is this kind of um, made, made my day just a little bit, made me smile. Um, the, uh, my 
pastor who's teaching the, the confirmands um, that I had taught last year in um, public school. He said, yeah, we were talking the Lord's Supper today. And he said, just thought, thought, you know, I want to share this. Um, he said, it's teaching like, so what, you know, what do we make, you know, what, what do you think? What do you take away? And he's like, the, and the kid said right away, he said, is means is, right? The, those words are about as simple as, as you can get, right? So he said, just thought you'd want to know that. And I said, oh, I'm so glad at least something, nice. something stuck. So so that was uh, just a little heartwarming catechetical anecdote. Oh, um, that is excellent. So, so I, was glad, I was glad of that and glad to hear that that uh, instruction is carrying on yeah. there. So, um, Well, I'll just wrap up by saying um, we're here in Milwaukee. So I'll use the Pfizer Forum, mm. which is where the uh, Bucks. the Bucks of of Milwaukee compete in the National Basketball Association. If you were told Jesus is going to come, he's going to be flesh and blood at the Pfizer Forum on this date at this time. Tickets would be hard to come by. Oh yeah, even the atheist might be tempted to pay to see what who will this be. Jesus, who is this Jesus, <clears throat> flesh and blood? Um, my dear Christian friends, or those of you who are Christian curious, um, every time we supper, uh, celebrate the sacrament of the altar, Jesus is there, flesh and blood. And there's better seats available than at the Fiserm Forum. Um, in fact, usually the, the, the front row yeah. is wide open. There's, it's available. Even if you have not been catechized yet, even if it's not yet time for you to partake of the supper, that Jesus who is there, flesh and blood, is there for you. He is your Savior. Marvel at it. Inquire about it. Hunger and thirst for it. Go to the pastor. Be instructed. Let that day come when you can partake with joy. I know the feeling. I went more than half a year without the sacrament when I came from Catholicism to Lutheranism. Um, <clears throat> I know what it is to be hungry, and I will tell you it is a beautiful day um, <clears throat> when you taste and see that the Lord is, is good again. Christ is there, flesh and blood, for you. Pastors, Christ is there, flesh and blood, for you. The very supper you celebrate is God's gift to you. So, um, Let's rejoice in this thing we have, and let's rejoice to have it in the way that we have, not symbolically, but Christ really present, not um, as a new unbloody sacrifice, but Christ entirely as gift for me. In fact, I'm there to shut my mouth, to close it on this host and this wine, um, and hear those wonderful words of what this is here being given. And when that takes place, is there any way in the world that uh, we cannot but let the bird fly? I'm just a tanker. I set him up another round. I set 